This week on the 10 Podcast, In the Loop with Nick Tuttle. I just resigned like, hey man, I was a cop. I'm still a cop at heart. I help cops. And that's kind of where I've landed today. We're just expected to kind of keep it to ourselves. It's whoever strikes first with the headline is the one that gets the mess. I feel like I can't do shit. I want to share that information that is going to be appealing to people of the same interests. That's what my goal is. I want someone to see that and go, yep, I get it. I think law enforcement would be completely down the tube if it wasn't for me. You know, our mission from day one is to, is to help cops make it home. I really saw how much my police identity was wrapped up into my real identity of who I was. The views and opinions expressed on the 108 podcast are those of the authors and guests individually. The 108 podcast is for entertainment purposes only and is not affiliated with any entity, agency, or department. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to episode 325 of the 10-8 Podcast. Today's episode kicks off a new mini-series on the show. This show, or the series I should say, is going to focus on cops and former cops who chose to go into business for themselves and are doing damn good at it. And I'm sharing their stories of success. In the very beginning of this season... I said I was going to focus a lot on physical, mental, financial health. I've talked about physical. I've talked about mental. Haven't really touched on financial all that much because you know what? Finances are quite a taboo topic. I did talk about it with uh, my guy Paul Britton from Canada, but this way kind of gives you another way of looking at your finances, something else to do uh, with your money and to make you more money. Today's first installment is with Nick Tuttle. Nick is the founder of the company, The Mike Loop. If you had never heard of The Mike Loop, you're probably under a rock, but it is an amazing yet simple design that keeps the microphone on uh, on you and keeps it from flopping around when you need it the most. As any cop or dispatcher knows, if you can't access your radio, it's going to be a bad day, just flat out. And speaking of that, just a real side note, uh, for all you cops that work in places that don't have good radio reception all the time, like in the mountains or you know super rural areas, my hat's off to you. I never could do that. Uh, I'm used to working in cities where you fall over and cops just dump out of your radio, you know? Uh, so my hat's off to you guys. But before we dive any deeper into today's topic, let's go ahead and check out our sponsors. This being my entrepreneur episodes, it's very important that you go out and support my sponsors as they are all cops and former cops who own their businesses and, uh, you know, any little bit helps. So go click their tag on the post, follow them, utilize their services where you can and where you can't, give them a share. Here you go. Listen, it's no surprise to anyone that law enforcement agencies suck at getting the word out to their citizens they serve. Whether it's debriefing a critical incident or educating the public about various aspects of law enforcement, it takes a special skill set that too many in law enforcement don't have. In this ever-changing world of social media, do you your agency, and your community a favor and check out TOC Public Relations, a company ran by former law enforcement to help you get your message out in an appropriate and professional way. Check them out on social media as well as TOCPublicRelations.com. Let me tell you something you already know. Living a life in public service is a life of sacrifice, but you cannot serve the community or back your partner up if you're not physically able to do so. According to a report by the Wall Street Journal, more than 40% of law enforcement officers are obese. Other studies have found that police officers are 25% more likely to die from weight-related disorders like cardiovascular disease, high blood pressure, diabetes, and even some cancers. Why continue to be a liability to your partners, your loved ones, your community, and yourself? 
Contact the folks at fit.responders and get your fight back. And guys, I also want to tell you about our sponsor, Jiu-Jitsu 5.0. They just came out with the Jiu-Jitsu 5.0 app. It is the ultimate training tool for all law enforcement. Members of the app get on-demand access to a huge library of techniques for the streets, grappling-based workouts, yoga, and a monthly nutrition plan. They also have 24-hour, 7-day-a-week access to Jason, the founder of Jiu-Jitsu 5.0, for personalized training assistance. So... Go to the app store of your choosing and download the Jiu-Jitsu 5.0 app today. It's available for Android as well as Apple, so get on it now. And last but not least, this episode is brought to you by Thin Vine Wines. Thin Vine Wines is a mission-driven wine company that proudly backs first responders and the military. With a background in law enforcement, their support for police, dispatch, fire, and the military is unwavering. Thin Vine Wines donates $2 from every bottle sold to law enforcement and military-driven nonprofits. Making awesome wine is the vehicle. Making wine with a purpose is the mission. Check out their social medias at Thin Vine Wines on Instagram and Facebook and order online at thinvine.wine using the code 108, T-E-N, the number 8, for $10 off two or more bottles of wine. And if you own a police-oriented business, go ahead and reach out to me either on Instagram or email. And let me know. And hopefully we can work something out and get you advertised on the podcast and on Instagram. Because that's one of the things that I like doing is helping out cops that are helping cops out by some service or product that they're putting out there. So uh, just reach out to me and we'll see what we can work out. So like I said, today's episode features Nick Tuttle. On today's show, we talk about a bunch of topics, not just business. We talk about Nick's career as an Arkansas police officer, how practicing his freedom of speech made him realize it was time to move on from the job, how the mic loop came to be, and how leaving active law enforcement is good, but also bad at the same time. And finally, how Nick has been dealing with his own mental health since leaving the job. And with that, I want to bring up the sense of identity talk again. I want to talk about your job and yourself. I haven't talked to a single cop in this generation of law enforcement that has said, no, 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 I definitely have full control of my personal identity. And I know and respect that law enforcement is merely a job and a career and not my personality trait. No, it has been the contrary. Everyone I know has some point you know, wearing the thin blue lines, flying the flag, having the Punisher on their phone. And, you know, I'm talking in the mirror here. You know, I did the exact same thing. And when I hear all this, I'm quick to say, well, you you can't let that happen. You, you gotta be, you gotta be better than that. And I realized, I've come to realize this is personal growth here, that what I'm saying is a gaslighting statement. Like no shit, 10. If it was that easy, I I would. And then I realized why this all happens. When you get out of the academy or when you sign up for the academy, more times than not, the job is all you got. Your college friends, your military buddies, your civilian job buddies, they they start to move on. Especially the moment you start the police academy, nah, they don't want to touch that anymore. And that's even if you had those people to begin with. You're also past the point in your life where, you know, you may be a child in your home if you are still living there. Your family may be there. Presumably, you know, I'm, I'm kind of painting with a broad brush, but your family may be there, but you don't really have the same relationship with them as you once did. You're not the kid anymore. You're an adult now. So that being said, you're seeking that you're seeking a relationship. You're seeking family. You're seeking a tribe. Humans want their tribe. 
And law enforcement, for all that it is fucked up and what it can be and whatever, it's like dirty ENT. It's all we got. If, if you got that joke, awesome. If you don't, that's perfectly fine. That's probably most of you. I think where this all starts out, you know, is okay, right? You you try to find that camaraderie. You try to find that, like, sense of family, sense of tribe. But it easily gets out of hand. And that's why I keep saying, and you guys are probably sick of me saying it, but you need to recognize it and then you need to mitigate it. And again, I'm talking from personal experience. I've been to the mountaintop and I'm coming down with stone tablets to save you fools. You know, I'm here to tell you the good word. And the good word is find more. And this is kind of what all these conversations have been about. Plus, another thing, really, when you're so deep in the chaos, when you have that chaos removed, everything that you put to the side comes back, but with interest, and it can really fuck you up. So, you know, you really need to work through all that. And that's why I continue to tell you to, you know, build good habits as far as your resiliency, whether it's your personal, uh, physical health, your mental health, hobbies, shit like that. Uh, hopefully over the season, you know, that you have picked up some useful information and also hopefully that's why you keep coming back. So I really hope so. I think that this episode's got a lot of value as well. So I hope you take some note of that. All that being said, guys, here's my conversation. Here it is in the loop with Nick Tuttle, 10-8 podcast. Here we go. All right, you've seen his merchandise. You've seen his product. Now we get to meet the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Nick Tuttle of The Mike Loop. What's going on, sir? How are you? Oh, hey, man. How's it going? Thanks for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to chat with you and anybody else who wants to listen. Absolutely, man. You know, the the Mike Loop is something that I've heard of. I mean, the beginning of my career, it was out there and it just kind of, it's become more and more widely used, widely talked about, things like that. So really, you, without knowing you at the time, have been a part, a, a pivotal part of my police career. Now we're going into, well, my public service career, I guess you could say, uh, now going into its seventh year. So it's kind of cool that we're, you know, that we've connected through social media and now we're going to have this conversation so i'm very very much excited to talk to you and kind of pick your brain and, and things like that so thank you very much for uh coming on yeah absolutely man it's it's that's been a biggest one of the biggest aspects about um you know this journey with our product i mean obviously it it started out i mean we can dive right into you know kind of our our humble beginnings you know i will to a little bit of background on me I uh, was a cop for 14 years um, on about my uh, fourth or fifth year as a cop, as a patrol officer. I uh, see 2015, 2015 is when we when we started the Mike Loop. So um, I just was looking for a solution, man. I, I came out of the jail and, um, you know, got into a few scuffles whenever I worked in the jail and my microphone kept falling off and I had shopped around for some different products to, to try to fix it. And, and there were, there were a few things on the market that fixed it. You know, they kept your microphone connected to your, your uniform and whatnot, but nothing was really how I wanted it. And man, just one day I just kind of sandwiched some Velcro together and around some, some cord and, and lo and behold, I had this, this thing that, that fixed my problem, you know, because I mean the, 
your radio mic falling off has always just been a big problem for cops. Anybody that's worn a, a corded mic, you know, you try to reach for you. You get out of your car, your mic falls off. You, you fight with a guy, your mic falls off. You chase a guy, your mic falls off. So anyway, I, uh, I developed this, this thing. It was just a thing, man. It was just this janky, um, piece of, uh, I, I don't, even, don't even want to call it equipment at that point, but it fixed my problem, you know, and, uh, here I was going to, to nights showing my buddies like, Hey man, check out this thing I made. And they were like, Oh dude, that's, that's awesome. Let me, can you make me one of those? And it just kind of spawned into this thing where I made one for like some of the guys mm-hmm. on the shift, you know, or, or just, uh, some guys from other agencies, we'd like talk shop at the coffee house or whatever. And they, they buy me a, a monster drink or something <laughs> in exchange for one. And, and j- just one night, man, one, one evening I was talking to my wife and I was just like, man, I'm going to, I think what I'm going to actually do is I'm going to, I'm going to sew these things together and, and make it a little more strong and, and whatever. And, and I'm going to put it on Facebook and see what happens. I'm just going to, just going to post it on my personal page and see what happens, bro. The next morning I had at the time what seemed like just an unlimited amount of, of messages and comments on my post and, and, and direct messages. It was probably like 20, you know, but it, for me, it was just like, wow, these people want this. And everybody was saying, how can, how can I, how can I buy one? How can I buy one? So my wife being the more business minded person in our relationship, she's definitely the brains. She kind of took over and built a little point of sale. Uh, exchange and and it's it, the rest is history. That's that's pretty much it. it. It it started off that simple and you know we've been able to build a lot of great relationships through it. And you know hearing your story about how like it's been a part of yours, like those are the things that that really kind of keep, keep us going, man. Those are the relationships we've built with with cops everywhere. Right, absolutely. And you know it, it's how many. And this is not to discredit anybody who runs these businesses, but, you know, I feel like so many, like, cops start businesses, which is great, um, but a lot of them kind of just go back to the well that's always been good. You know, the coffee companies, the, um, you know, the tactical companies, things like that. Like, there's, but I feel like the mic loop really fixed a need that, or filled a need that really, you know, just, was never done before. And, um, you're right. There's, there's definitely been things before that and everything before me working the road, but I think it's just so important that the product, so it's really great that the word has gotten out there and people have seen the value of it. So, um, absolutely amazing. Yeah, we did, we did kind of skip the intro a little bit, but anyway, um, we, we kind of went right into it. Sorry, man. No, 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 no. I get on a roll and that's just, no, I, I love it. It's, uh, perfectly fine. So, Let's just kind of take a step back just a little bit. So we have Nick Tuttle, uh, cop for 14 years. What what state are you from? Arkansas. Wow, that's not one that I'm you hear all the time. Arkansas. <laughs> it sure isn't. There's not much to it. Yeah, I think um, – <laughs> no, Nebraska. I was going to say I think Books Behind the Badge is from there, but I think he's from Nebraska. About the coolest thing that comes from Arkansas law enforcement is the Arkansas State Police pit videos and their pursuit videos. Those guys – those guys are like, nice. those are my heroes on the road. Those are who I, the guys who I called. So that's the coolest thing that's going to come out of Arkansas. Okay. As far as like police action and, goes. And did you work the road the whole time you were you were a cop or did you do other things? or? Uh, I was in the jail for just a few short years of juvenile detention, actually. Oof, I'm sorry. Uh, before I got, um, that's, it's okay. It's understandable. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, G- JDC was terrible. It was uh, a nightmare. Those little turds. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, they grow up into the the criminals that you end up dealing with. But yep, I got picked up, uh, and there was an opening patrol that I put in for, and got hired to patrol after three years in JDC, and I was on the road ever since. Okay, very good. And then you ended up promoting. Yep, I made it up to sergeant. I was a sergeant for the last four years of my uh, my career there. Nice, nice. Patrol sergeant. And then best job, best job ever, man. Patrol sergeant. Yeah, I've I've heard I've heard mix. I've heard people who get it and they're like, wow, this is you know kind of dealing with a bunch of juvenile delinquents, but this time they're cops, you know. And then I've heard the other ones where yeah. it's you know it is rewarding and you do make a difference. So I I could definitely see both sides of it as I, as we speak about it. So then what? What happened then? Did you decide enough's enough? Did you retire? What happened? Well, it's a, it's it's kind of an interesting story. So you know, we by that time we had been on social media for a while, and um, you know, I started to try to make our our business a little more personal in some aspects, and so I may have shared some opinions about uh, certain certain walks of life in our line of work that didn't jive very well with our share. Basically I said that, uh, you know, pedophiles deserve, uh, uh-huh. <laughs> the, the pedophiles deserve a final end right. to put it K- nicely. K-A-P, on as they would say, there you go. Um, and, and of course, you know, that, that message got picked up by somebody else on social media. Matter of fact, some guy at Portland who was an avid cop hater who screen recorded, whatever I was saying and sent it to my sheriff and got me in some hot water. And I pretty much said, you know what, if I'm under investigation for this, like this is kind of the universe saying it's time to, time to head out because my, my admin didn't have my back. They, there'd been other instances leading up to that where they had really shown their true colors. And it was just like, you know what, man, the Mike loop was treating us really good. We had a plan for me to leave in. Anyway, let's just go ahead and pull the ripcord now and get out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and what, I still stand on my opinion that, that pedophiles deserve nothing. <laughs> right. What uh, <laughs> what year was that? Oh shoot, this was. It'll be two years in April. Okay. Two years next month. So I mean, that's what twenty twenty one. So I mean, that's right about the time everyone was pulling the ripcord. I mean, it was, it was. Oh yeah. You know, the start of the Great Exodus. I saw a thing about NYPD having the the highest number of. Um, retirees, like the numbers just keeps going up for them. So I, you know, I, I oh yeah, man, get it. Twenty one or yeah, two thousand twenty one was my last year also, and I know many people that also kind of uh, boogied out of it. So I get it, and I think it's crazy. You know, you see some people, you know, they exp- let's talk about the lack of First Amendment protection in law enforcement like we're the opposite of a protective class uh if you want to say it that way like everything we say gets vilified it gets looked at you can be on duty off duty it doesn't matter if you speak your opinion and you work in a law enforcement capacity that's a problem and i think that's a problem like we, you know we are the we can we defend the constitution we do all these things we take oaths but it seems like many times we are not given that same uh, decency to express our amendment protected rights. Yeah. We're just expected to kind of, uh, keep it to ourselves. I think that, um, I think that public opinion kind of thinks that that goes into our impartiality is by not having, you know, 
feelings about something and, and sharing the, the way we think or, or, or our viewpoint on things, you know, um, at least it's a double standard, at least not when it applies to them. If, mm-hmm. if, if our opinion applies to their favor, of course, they support it 100 percent. But if it goes against that and that's that's people in general, man, they, they want people to have their back and especially people in power, which, you know, law enforcement officers, they're they're granted a, a significant amount of power mm-hmm. under under their duties, you know, so that's, you know, it's kind of like the case of, you know, showing up for some sort of custody exchange, the, the either parent will, will want to try to get you on their side to believe them. It's the same thing with, with everybody else. If you, if your opinion goes against theirs, then you're not for them. Same thing goes with your administration. You know, if, if what you say on your social media page aligns with what they think, probably going to be okay with it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but if they go against it then you're probably going to wind up in hot water right and it, in hot water. you know and i see you know <laughs> going back to 2020 where everybody was taking a knee and that was okay right because that aligned with the uh overwhelming public opinion but the moment you had a cop out there making a statement like you did wearing a maga shirt whatever that was a problem you can't have that take it down whatever and to the point where like you know now we have, um, you know, blocking of the thin blue line at certain agencies, things like that. And mm-hmm. it's gotten to the point of ridiculousness. I remember when I was getting on, when I was getting hired and they said, you know, you're not the public information officer. You can't give a public statement about anything. And I kind of just stuck with that. Like, you're absolutely right. I don't want to talk to the media anyway. So no problem. But I always thought that my Facebook, my Instagram being private. I was still allowed certain freedoms as an American, one would think. And while I understand the fear of showing your impartiality, there has to be some common sense with that. And I feel like every day, every waking hour, we are reminded more and more that common sense is not common. It's not practiced anymore. And, you know, that's where we get people, the silent majority gets silenced more and more where, you know, you don't hear people say things out loud and they keep their opinions to themselves. And it's that's not the society we're supposed to be living in and, and exercising in. You know, I've said this for for a few years now. I mean, the 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 downfall as to I, I'm going to say the downfall of society. It's probably pretty dramatic to say that. But, you know, where we're at now is kind of a result of the technology that's just so easily accessible mm-hmm, to people. Mm-hmm, Every idiot mm-hmm. has a phone that they can put their face and their message live to the world, to anybody who's going to listen. And all it takes is for a handful of other people who are easily influenced to believe what they're saying. And the next thing you know, you have a mob, mm-hmm. you know, that's. And, and I remember back in the day when. Nope, go ahead. You're going right where I was going. Go ahead. <laughs> back in the day, whenever I was a kid, you know, the, you you watch the five o'clock news, the six o'clock news. That's that's how you got your information about the world, you know. And that that's back whenever news was relatively credible because there wasn't such a competition for who got the biggest headline, you know. And mm-hmm. and nowadays it's 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 whoever strikes first with the headline is the one that gets the message because the truth that comes around the back end that doesn't, doesn't matter, matter anymore because you've already gotten the headline, right? You know, I mean, uh, if you want to. If you want to get people really angry in comments, we could talk about the, the Floyd incident. I mean, sure, that looked super terrible. But hey, look, let's do an investigation. Let's do an autopsy. Let's do all these tests. Hey, look, 
he had lethal doses of this drug in there. Could that have been there? It doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You know, nothing matters anymore. And I, I had a gentleman in my comments, uh, I think last week, trying to pull that. He brought it up because he said that, you know, cops are murders and blah 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 said that uh we shoot people in the parking lot for unpaid parking tickets and i was like sir give me an example of that incident and he said he brought up everything but what he literally accused us of and i i was done i was like i can't i can't have this argument with you but one thing he did say was about how the media lied the cops lied about the lethal doses of narcotics in george floyd's body and that's where it's like okay Fine. Everything's a lie. Everything's a plant. Everything's a conspiracy. You're right. You've got it. What? I can't argue with. I can't communicate with people with like that. And I, I said to him in the comment, and I stay out of the comments, but sometimes I just can't, you know. And I said to him, I was like, "Listen, man," uh, and I was very respectful. And I said, "I don't argue with people on the internet because it's like playing chess with a pigeon. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. The board's going to be covered in shit, and the pig- pigeon's still going to think that it won. So." That being said, I'm done. I'm out of this conversation. I appreciate it. And, like, it, it's just frustrating because you look at the overall critical thinking of society. I don't even want to say the IQ of society, but the ability to comprehend and make critical thoughts. And it is just gone at this point. Like, that whatever is given to them through the talking box on the screen, whatever screen it is these days... That's what they take. And they don't take that information and either investigate it further or think for themselves and go, all right, does this make sense? And that's what's frustrating to me. Yeah, I think that's that's kind of the biggest thing. Nobody takes a second to ask, does this even sound plausible? You know, and not even not even probable, just plausible, because there there have been some headlines that you just read that are completely ridiculous or just completely false. I mean, I'm I'm victim to. To, uh, or I'm guilty of, of getting sucked into a headline and then you read the article, you actually take three minutes to read some mm. words and you realize, oh, well, that headline was total bullshit. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I. Uh, so this is funny that we're bringing it up. I'll have to attach it to this episode. Um, when I was in high school, when I was a senior in high school, I was doing like a video blog program or project or whatever. Before I did podcasting and everything, this was like my foray into it. And I had, I basically stole the the model from a bunch of YouTubers that I enjoyed at the time. And uh, I would grab some news headlines and I would, you know, it's kind of like weird news or whatever. And there was one that I put out there and it said something to the effect about uh, Marine recruit or the Marines not being wanted in Southern California or something like that. And ended up being that they were banning Marine recruiters at this certain place in Southern California, whatever. And in it, me being the 18 year old, uh, intellectual was saying like oh look at that people on facebook twisted the headline to make you you know think it was one thing but the news story said the other and it's just gotten so bad from there uh you know 15 16 years later that we are so sensationalized that we will read that headline and that's it you know our attention span is so short that if it's not in a 15 second tiktok or if it's not in a headline uh that's all we that's all we take in. We don't click the link. We don't read the article. And I'm like, like you said, I'm guilty of it too. It's just, it's bad. It's getting so bad. Yeah. Well, you know, be, being a business owner, even it, it makes it hard to, to get traction on social media at some angles because 
your business doesn't necessarily feed the algorithm unless you play ball with the algorithm, you know? So that's, that's one real, real reason why, you know, I make stupid Mm -hmm. video TikToks that show our product, you know I mean? And then those really, it's almost like the dumber they are, the more ridiculous they are, the better they, they perform because not only will they get, attention from being clever or funny, they'll get attention from people bashing you for doing something, you know, and then I've gotten to the point where, you know, I welcome the hater comments. I, I, your Gary V video that you, that you shared the other day, mm-hmm. man, like, like I've, I saw that before and I was like, he's a hundred percent right. But like the hater comments, that's just like fueling, fueling your posts, fueling your traffic. And, you know, back in the day I used to get into arguments with them in the comments, you know, somebody would say, Hey, you bootlicker. And man, I would just like a twist off boy. My fuse would be lit. And I'd just be like, I couldn't type uh, fast uh, enough, you know? <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I've got but, that uh, for sure. You know, you got to step back, you know I mean? And, and what you're doing is you're really, especially if you're representing a product or representing, you know, a, a brand of some sort, you, uh, you just end up showing your ass, you know, when you start arguing with people and, and it just becomes a, you know, Playing pigeon with chess, or a playing playing a chess with a pigeon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> like you said. The, it, so talking about running a brand and running a business and things like that, it's so fr- the the social media thing and the algorithms are so frustrating because I feel like they try everything to make it more and more difficult to be successful and get your get your stuff out there. And you know, I try to follow Gary V because he's he's got it figured out. He knows how it works and. I followed like my, my one buddy, his, his fiance does social media coaching and it's just so whatever she says today, next week is going to be totally different as far as the algorithm and what's working and what's sending. And I, you know, I'm limited because I won't show my face. So I can't get out there and like, you know, dance or, or do a skit or whatever, which, you know, I, I have a, I have a acting background, so it's not about not wanting to or not being able to. And you know, like you said, you're going to get the haters, you're going to get people going like, oh, what the hell is this cringy shit? Which they'll say anyway. It could be something actually enjoyable and totally wholesome and whatever, but they're still going to make comments. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just so frustrating. And then you look at, like, I've gotten memes taken down, and they're like, they're fine, they're PG, they're nothing bad, but they get taken down because something can be misconstrued a certain way. And then you look at what doesn't get taken down, all the sexual content, all the the violent content. And I've reported stuff, especially when I get pissed off that like my innocent meme got taken down. And then I look at like some, you know, a cop hater post or whatever, and I report that. And then I get a thing from Instagram going, yeah, we're not going to remove that post. I'm like, what? 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 Same. And it's it's just so frustrating. Like I've literally, you know, I think in the beginning there were ways that you could like leave a comment in your um, reporting being like, hey, this is showing a cop getting murdered that doesn't have to be on the internet. And they're like, yeah, this doesn't violate community standards. I'm like, how? <laughs> how does that? And, and my, my silly little picture <laughs> violates your standards. It's an expression of their feelings. You can't can't censor their feelings. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. So so are mine. Mine are expressions of feelings also. <laughs> But, uh, you know, that's it's just challenges that you have to overcome, man. I mean, especially, you know, it's one thing if, you know, I have the two pages. I have our business page. I have my personal blog page. And, um, you know, I, I try, used to, I would I would kind of blend the two together mm-hmm. and uh, we just ran our business. But I decided, you know what, man, I kind of want to 
throw some salt out there and, and I don't really want to do it on our business page. So, mm-hmm. you know, I started, started the, the, the Sergeant Tuttle page and, and, and I, I, I do more hobby stuff and advice stuff. And, you know, I may tiptoe on the line of crossing it every now and then on, on some comments, but, you know, by and large, I still try to keep it within the boundaries because, you know, I, I am also the face of our brand. And I mean, my, my page is attached to our other page. So, you just kind of have to play the game, dude. I mean, you can't, you can't go, you know, you just can't go uh, full send <laughs> off, off the deep end and right. really, you know, really throw it out there. And that's there's some guys do though, man. Some guys can pull it off. S- some do, some do, some go wild. And I'm like, how is this not taken down? It's funny as shit, but how is this not taken <laughs> down? Um, but then you're right. Uh, I think it was back in September, October, something like that. I posted. Uh, I think I told this in a previous episode, but uh, I posted a meme. It was I reposted a meme that I posted like a year prior, and it got taken down for promoting violence or whatever. It was a it was an office quote, and you know I I contested it and whatever, and then the original meme got taken down from two years prior. So then I just went I got went broken arrow, and I was just like, all right, let's let's see if Instagram will ban me. I was stupid, but I was angry and I was, you know, whatever. So I started posting all this random shit and sure enough, you know, I got more shit taken down and I lost different privileges and stuff, which is stupid, right? Like that's not, that's not a good business model, but you know, I was thinking more uh, emotionally than logically. And you're right. If you're, I, and I bring this up because I had someone reach out to me yesterday going, Hey, you know, I'm trying to build my page on Instagram. It's just not working. How do I do it? I don't know. I don't know how my page got to where it is. It's just, it's all frustrating. Um, I feel like all of our pages, you know, yours, the Mike Loop page, all the meme pages, all the police content out there should be whatever our follower is add 50,000. Cause that's really what it should be. But because the algorithm and the shadow bands and everything that happened for the past three years, uh, we just so stymied and it's so frustrating. Um, so I, I don't have that answer, but I think you're, answer of just play the game is probably the best answer is just hey whatever whatever's trending go with that and you'll you'll it should set you free yeah my biggest uh the biggest aspect that i've uh tried to bring into our social media over the last few years has just to you know what and i'm not i'm just going to play to my audience i'm going to make make content that i believe is going to be relevant and relatable to cops you know i mean you know, that's that's who that's who our business model is after. That's that's who our pages appeal to. That's that's who we want to see our product and our page and our posts is is law enforcement officers. You know, and as far as my personal page, you know, I do a lot of gun stuff. You know, I'm I'm a forever student of trying to learn how to shoot better and stuff like that. And and so I want to share that information that is going to be appealing to people of the same interests. You know, I don't I don't necessarily you know, look for stuff that's going to just placate to trends and whatnot. If it falls within our boundaries of law enforcement, that's great. But, you know, by and large, you know, I want, what I want is that, that 2 a.m. cop who's sitting there on a Sunday, you know, a Sunday night, Monday morning where nothing is happening in their, their area to be able to, to find my page and see something and they, they find a laugh mm-hmm. at it. they find mm-hmm. it amusing, you know, and which I'm sure that, that you look at it the same way because they see the meme or they see the video and they think, I know exactly where this is coming from. That's funny. You know, that's, that's it. 
Yeah. You know, it's like I made a, I made a, uh, I made a TikTok. I'm really ashamed to say this, but it's for the business. <laughs> it's for the business. Yeah. But um, so we have a TikTok account, and I made this this video one night where, you know what it's like, man. You're working nights, and you know you're fired up, you're ready to go, and you get sleepy, whatever. You you're pounding caffeine, whatever the case is, and at three three o'clock in the morning, you know you you're 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 dozing off or whatever. So my my video is basically me fired up, and then three o'clock in the morning I fall asleep, and my phone rings, and I answer the radio. It's like mm-hmm. just yep, I, you know, there's like. Two million views on that. There's like two million views on that thing. It's like, you serious? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, but it's just that thing, you know, like cops, nurses, night shift workers, people can see that and they're like, I know exactly how that guy feels. And that's what we, that's what my goal is. I want someone to see that and go, yep, I get it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that alone, that, I don't even want to say camaraderie, but that kind of cultural understanding of each other is kind of what gets us through. And that's why the memes are so important. That's why, you know, I have no problem. This is going to get some backlash. I have no problem with a cop out there who may make a TikTok or a video. I'll say off duty, but come on, we know the truth. Um, if it's humorous and relatable, like I don't want to see you dancing in front of your police car. I don't want that. But like, if you think about it, we all got started one way or another because of the Mike the Cop videos, the Officer Daniel videos, whatever. And be- why? Because we related to what they were doing. And, you know, no one out oh, there yeah. was doing what they were doing. And it was it was fresh. It was great. And when you find something, like, there's, there's a few cops out here that, um, you know, still make TikToks and skits and everything. And I still find them enjoyable. I'm not going to give them a hard time. As long as you aren't just like dancing around in your uniform or whatever, that's, those are the ones that I'm like, all right, I've got enough of that. But that being said, you're right. The, the relatability of our content, I think is what makes it so great. I, I, I will never forget making the 10, eight memes page because one of my memes with my buddies went viral somehow got to someone big and it went viral whatever and then i was like oh i need to make this in case someone comes looking for it or something stupid and then i made another meme and some random cop in you know wisconsin or arkansas or whatever messages me and goes wow this is amazing this is exactly what i was feeling and that from that day on has motivated me to keep doing it and keep doing it and even making the podcast material and anything else i do on i want people to listen to it i want people to look at it and go it's not just me. And from there, you know, whatever comes of it, whether they need support or whether they just need a laugh or they just need a buddy to chat without midnights, all those things are important. And, you know, it's, it's gotten to the point for me. And I wonder if it's the same for you where when I release something and it doesn't do very well, it's like, oh man, like either people don't like it, which I, I don't think is the case much anymore, but it's, oh man, not enough people are seeing this. I think this is a good, of good value. And it's unfortunate because I think more people need to, need to see this. Yeah. I feel the same way. You know, I, I don't know if you've seen some of my, well, you probably have seen a few of them. I mean, I, I see you, your, your likes and stuff on some of my posts, but it's like, do you know how many uniform changes I have to go into on some of those videos? <laughs> of course I want people, I want people to like that shit, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, you know, you put stuff out there, you have a good idea. You think it's a good idea. You think, man, this is going to make some people laugh. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't get the traction you want. Sometimes it gets traction days later. I've gone through bouts where like I have that disappointment, but anymore, it's just kind of like, you know what? I want to throw this up. 
I'm going to throw it up there and see how it does. If it does good, if it doesn't, that's fine. Yeah. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't sweat it so much anymore, man. I mean, the message is getting out there, you know, as far as our business goes, man, I mean, it, it's sometimes they do good. Sometimes they don't mm-hmm. some, or the posts or whatnot, but you know, all that matters to me is that, you know, like as far as our business goes is that our product is getting into cops hands and helping them, cool. you know, right. that's, that's been, that's been our mission from day one is, is not necessarily, I mean, obviously it's a business. We have to make money and, you know, my wife and I, this is our, this is our full-time job. The Mike loop is our full-time job, but you know, our mission from day one is to, is to help cops make it home and talking about reaching out to, to cops and whatnot and, and getting that feedback is that, you know, we'll get messages from guys. We'll get messages from cops using our product and, and it's it's everything from hey man, cool product really helped me a lot to hey man, if I hadn't had my my radio mic I wouldn't have been able to call for help and I was losing a lot of blood, I had a bad wreck whatever your your product saved my life, you know and whenever um you know whenever we get those kind of messages those are those are the ones that really make that relatability hit home really really hard at least for me, you know and um. Yeah, I mean, tying into to the people that follow you and, you know, providing good content for them, providing good product for them. If you make products, you know, connecting with them on mm-hmm. some level, whether it's through products or, or 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 content. I mean, that's that's kind of what is is keeping us keeping us all going. I think I think law enforcement would be completely down the tube if it wasn't for me. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree completely. I think this, you know, the past three years would not be where it's at you know like law enforcement morale is in the basement it would be under the basement if it weren't for memes and just the the joke content so i i agree completely and not that i'm here saying you know at all i saved law enforcement morale not at all but i definitely see the value in what we do and and it's you know i'm i'm glad that people like you people like me and and all of our mutual friends are out here doing you know great things to to help the the cops out there because like you know you you and i are no longer in the in the job right but there's plenty there's hundreds of thousands if not millions of people still in there still struggling still holding the line and you know we do it for them so you know that's that's kind of and we wouldn't do it if we didn't care for the profession directly obviously we both have you know a ton of blood sweat and tears in the game that we that we left on the battlefield so to speak but those people that are still there, we were them. We are still them, even though we may be removed from it. And I think, you know, we do what we do. You make your product. I make, you know, silly pictures on the internet for those people. You know what I mean? I make silly pictures too sometimes. Yes, that's right. You do. Yeah, you do. Yours um... are pretty good too. I'm like, man, where do you come up with this idea? <laughs> it's so bad when I see a meme and I'm like, oh, why didn't I think of that one? I'm the same way. Yeah, so I'm the same way. And I start thinking, how can I make this my own? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh man, I've seen. Yeah, good ideas. <laughs> I'm starting to I'm starting to show them how the pudding's made, but I mean, I've seen memes on other accounts, not police related. I'm like, all right, I got to twist that around just a little bit and make it a police <laughs> meme, and boom, we're good. <laughs> let me put a let me put a police hat on that and a badge. Good to go. Done. Done. Yeah, that's all yeah. you got to do. Just or put... you, yeah, or you just go to like any other workforce like Twitter account. I'm like, oh, that's gonna be a meme. Hold on a second. Let me just <laughs> throw that on a picture of uh, Steve Carell, and we're good to go. Yeah, it's just, it's, you know, it goes back into that relatability because mm-hmm. I think it's all interchangeable. Absolutely. You know, so, yeah, it's, you know, kind of segueing into to the idea of, 
of sanity. I mean, being able to, to laugh at the, cause I mean, dude, like the job when I first started, you know, I was gung ho about it, but the job was still hard. I mean, it was, it, I don't want to say hard as in like I'm swinging a sledgehammer <laughs> for 10 hours a day, beating, you know, steel into the ground, but it's, it's mentally and it's emotionally draining. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can remember just spending a day driving my patrol car, scanning, just scanning all over, just alert, alert, alert. You go home, you're exhausted. Right. You know, right. and now you sprinkle on top of that lack of sleep from the night before or, uh, you know, a, a tragic event that you have to witness or a crash you have to work that's terrible or a homicide or some, some you know, insert terrible police event into that. And then, you know, now what do you have? You have exhaustion compiled with, you know, trauma that you have to get up and you have to go the next day. Mm-hmm. Then you have to get up and go the next day or you, then, you, then you have your days off and you just want to decompress. So, you know, being able to, to um, have a, uh, I, I guess you could say just like a ray of light come in and, and brighten that moment up, even if it's just laughing at some memes and sharing it with your buddies and you guys laughing together, you know, that really helps to ease that burden of, of the trauma that the job Mm -hmm. just brings inherently. Absolutely. And you know, we, we always talk about like the gallows humor, the dark humor, the inappropriate jokes at the wrong time. Um, It's all part of it. It all makes it, you know, it kind of softens that blow for sure. And you know, one thing that I kind of touched on and, and I want to kind of bear in a little bit, you know, you're no longer on this job. You made the decision, obviously, that, you know, you reached a, a natural stopping point. You were already going there. But the thing is, and you've been gone, you've been out of it for two years. I'm coming up on two years in October. Um, it doesn't go away. It's not a switch. You don't just stop being a cop. Mm-hmm. You don't stop feeling those things. You don't it's stop not- having those things on your mind. How has the tradition, the transition from law enforcement to civilian life, and the military guys hate when I say civilian life because oh, you are a civilian. Stop. <laughs> How has law enforcement to civilian life been for you? Has it been an easy transition, or have you had some issues with it? You know, when I first got out, I uh, really, really felt like I'd lost my direction, and my wife actually pointed it out. She was just like, "Do you just feel like you just don't have?" have like the authority to do anything anymore. And I was like, that's exactly how I feel. Like, I feel like I can't do shit. You know, like I see all this stuff or whatever, or like I, I hear a, you know, a neighbor will tell me about something's going on. And I'm thinking like, Oh, well I'll find that. No, well, I'm not going to find anything. Mm-hmm. Out. I'm not going to do mm-hmm. anything, you know? So I kind of had that detachment to deal with as far as, um, uh, I guess you could call it helplessness, you know, mm-hmm. for, for maybe the first month. And then after that, for, for what seems to be a while, I, I really, I really saw how much my, um, police identity was wrapped up into my real identity of who I was, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, you don't really, I don't want to sound as douchey as to say like, oh, like protector warrior mindset and all that shit. But, but yes, you know, I mean, the feeling to, to. I'm going to do something about that mentality. Like uh, I, I can't do shit about it. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm just the regular guy now. You know, I'm not, I'm not, you know, it's not like I can call up a cavalry and, and have something done about the crackhead down the mm-hmm. road, you know? So there was definitely that, that losing that identity. And, and obviously our business keeps us tied into the law enforcement community. And, um, 
so I'm seeing this, I'm seeing this in my feeds all day and I'm having to like interact with it with our business and our, in my, my personal page, you know, every day I'm interacting with it, making posts, having to make police posts about this and that and the other. So I'm seeing this in front of me, but I'm having to realize like, am I a poser now? Am I just like yeah, LARPing yeah, yeah, over yeah. here doing this stuff? Because like, I'm not really the police anymore, but like, this is still my community. But I mean, ultimately I've, I've just resigned like, Hey man, I was a cop. I'm still a cop at heart. I help cops. And that's kind of where I've landed today. But, um, you know, we, we talked a little bit before the show started about, you know, I've kind of, I've recently had a big journey into, into my own mental health a year and a half after, after hanging it up. And, and, you know, you, you get to a point to where, at least in my case, you know, I mean, the the trauma just starts to set in and the only thing that i can i can equate it to is the fact that when you're working you're exposed to this trauma just whether it's whatever insert whatever trauma it is but you're exposed to it every either every shift you work or every rotation you work there's going to be something mm-hmm. you know something that norm normal joe down the road just doesn't see most civilians don't see somebody's dead grandma laying in the floor after she's been there for seven days. <laughs> right. They just don't know how to process that. They don't know how to process it. You know, there's, there's no way to describe it, but you know, I found myself where I could drive by a house that I knew something terrible happened and I'd be like, man, I know what happened there. And I could, I could start feeling like anxiety. And that's when I started realizing I'm like, maybe something's wrong, you know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've, I've started to try to get some, some help with that. You know, as far as like understanding, like why, why am I having this response? And it is, man. I mean, we're just exposed to so much that, I mean, suicide is the number one cop killer, period. I mean, over anybody else's bullet, over crashes, I mean, cops are killing themselves, but nobody's really asking why. Mm-hmm. I think that there are people that are asking why, but, um, you know. As far as, you know, me getting out of the job and transitioning, that's been my biggest thing is to is to truly is to really find out who I am on my own identity outside of the badge, not putting on a uniform and really just kind of being comfortable with that, mm-hmm. being comfortable with not not doing that job anymore. So, yeah, it's definitely that's a long story short or a long story long. No, you're fine. It's uh, it's definitely an identity crisis. I mean, I'm still I still work for a police department, you know, and I still see it all. I still experience a lot of it, but I'm not on the road. I'm not making things happen. And that's been talk about helplessness. Like it's it's gone from it, it varies. I don't even want to say it's gone from because it's definitely not over yet, but it's gone from like. Oh, why didn't these guys do this in the call? Oh, why are they not arresting someone? Why is it? And then it's even gone to the point of like, it's two o'clock in the morning. Why is nobody making traffic stops? Like, what are we doing out here, guys? You know, and I like I'm making TikTok. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, and I, I make the jokes to the to the people I work with in the dispatch center, but it's a little bit, I think it's, you know, I, I've, I've talked about it in my own therapy sessions. Like it's still me kind of holding on to that cop identity, that whole like, Oh, you yep. know, I may not be there, but I'm, you know, I'm still capable type thing. And I'm working on breaking that. Um, because it, sure I could 
tell them, hey, I want to be in the next FTO class if I wanted to, but I really don't. I have no interest in going back on the road. And it's me coming to terms with like, all right, I'm not the guy that used to be a cop is now a dispatcher. I'm the guy that is a dispatcher. I'm the guy that is in school for this. You know what I mean? Like it, it's changing that, reframing your your goal, your purpose, whatever it might be. And a big thing with that is that separation of the job and personal life and, and sense of self. And, you know, I, I'm looking behind you and I see the thin blue lines all over the place. And if my camera was angled the right way, I got thin blue lines all over here too. I've got patches, you know what I mean? Like we literally get so immersed in this, this identity. Um, I think because it's a, such a noble profession, we're proud of it. We're proud of the work we do. Um, there's obviously a pride thing of like, Hey, I did this, you know, whatever the cool thing, the cool cop thing. Mm -hmm. I did a pursuit. I did a stop sick, right? We wear the, the chest candy on like, like, you know, proud peacocks we are. And it's all great. I'm not, I'm not diminuing, diminishing any of that. The problem with that is though, the moment it all goes away, then what? Then you're just stuck in a room. You're sitting with Nick and you're going, well, now what? Who am I? Like if, you know, if I, you know, if I don't have this identity, what am I? And that was kind of the problem that I've had. It's a problem that I've had a lot of people tell me they've had where they separate one reason or another. And it, it may not even be leaving the job. It could be just like getting into an administrative IA where they take your gun and badge and it's like, now what, you know, which I think that might even be worse, but, and that's where I get on my soapbox and I go, okay, let's build you <laughs> over the job, right? Still have that, you know, thin blue line ble beating heart, but when you're off duty, be you, you know, be, be, have something there that you can, uh, enjoy and, you know, take just as much pride in like you're like, obviously you have a business. That's obviously something that's very prideful for you. That's something you're very proud of and you move with it and everything to the point where it's become your pride, you know, your, your primary point. And, you know, other people go back to school, things like that. And that's great. That's great. And we can do that while we're still on the job. That's, that's kind of the point that I always try to drive home is like, you know, and that's why I'm kind of doing this entrepreneur thing is like, you can do this while you're still working. You know, obviously if there's no conflict of interest with your department policies and even then you can probably skirt around a little bit. Um, <laughs> don't get in trouble. Don't get in trouble. But, um, I think that's where it comes out of. And then obviously you're, you're right when you say that suicide is the number one cop killer. The statistics are there, but the, the scary part of it is, is that when folks leave the job, the suicide numbers for that, whether it be retirement or just, you know, early separation. I don't know the statistics, but I know they're high as well. And I know that the average lifespan of a cop outside of retirement when they retire is like five years. Whereas like, yeah, it's terrible. Whereas like a normal profession, whatever it might be, they're, you know, 15 years, you know, if you retire as an accountant, you got 15 years or whatever it might be, you know, it's, and that's not good. And there's many different things that go along with that, whether it be, you know, your physical health, your mental health, things like that. And so, you know, I, I appreciate you kind of sharing that, you know, you've gone to therapy after leaving the job as have I, um, because that sense of identity, that law, the loss of se uh, sense of identity that eats at you. If it goes unchecked and you get these like PTSD flashes and you go, 
you know, why, why don't I, why don't I enjoy fireworks anymore? Oh, well, it's because you were in a shooting or, you know, because you, your buddy got shot or whatever, right. you know? And when these things go unnoticed, I think that's when we become a victim or a, a possibly a victim to our own self or our own, you know, our own problems. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I don't really have, know how else I can elaborate any better than that because I know with, with my journey, it's been, again, just figuring out who I am. I mean, I, obviously, you know, I was a cop. That was a big part of who I became, you know, outside of that cop, I'm a dad, I'm a husband, you know, I've got responsibilities to, to other people, you know, and we, I think, you know, when we, when we get into this job, it's just, it's, it's everything we have. It's all of us. It's our whole life. I mean, I, I know I was guilty of it whenever I was a, a brand new cop was, and on my off days, I was worrying about what was going to go on. I was going to miss out on something. I had, I had FOMO big time, you know, I was going to miss mm-hmm, out on something. Mm-hmm. Fear of missing out for those of you who don't know what FOMO <laughs> means. But, um, and I would see that, you know, at, Later in my years, you know, whenever I was a patrol sergeant, I had younger guys working with me and, um, you know, I would see them, you know, they, they, I, I was on the SWAT team for like six years, you know, and I eventually just got off the team. But some guys that I worked with were on the team and they had the same thing. Oh, I got a call out. I wonder what's going on. Oh, I can't miss it. I got to answer my phone. Whatever the case is like, dude, like something that I had to tell my my troops was this place is a machine. It'll run without you. Mm-hmm. If you died tomorrow, if you died tomorrow, they would have somebody in your, in your car before your body turned cold. Like you need to understand that right. cold hard fact is that no matter how much this place says they care about you, you're a hundred percent replaceable and you will be replaced in the event of something happening with the, what dude, whatever I, whenever I resigned, I mean, it was like, People were chomping at the bit to fill that spot. Mm-hmm. They're just like, oh, Nick, Nick left. You know, oh, we like Nick. We like Nick. He's great to work with. I'm like, can I have a spot? Can I have his car? Can I have this? Can oh, I, yeah. You know, I, I want to get, you know. So to have that mentality of I have to be here just creates an undue stress. And I think that it kind of feeds into that idea for for a lot of cops to uh, to have that, you know, that that sense of having to be there. Or the place is going to fall apart without mm-hmm. me or whatever the case is. And, it, and when, I think when you can realize that, when you can realize like, Hey, this is my job. It's my days off. Peace yeah. out. I'm, I'm going to take my days off. You know, Hey, do you want to come in and work extra hours? Nope. I don't, you know, and, and you don't, the strength just, to say in, no to that is job. very, very important. Yeah, man. The power of no is, <laughs> is incredible. Yeah. And once you learn that, you know, that's the thing. And, you know, that's so. kind of where I'm at now. You know, I've got supervisors that say, hey, why don't you have your work email on your phone? I'm like, am I required to by policy? No. Okay, that's why. You know, like I, because for <laughs> so long, I was exactly the person you're describing. I was constantly checking my work email. We all were. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, oh, there's a there's a special duty assignment. Bam, let me just get those three hours real quick. It doesn't matter that the money, you know, it's going to take me an hour to get there or whatever. Like, it, it doesn't make... You know, it doesn't matter that it doesn't make sense. I'm still going to jump on it. Um, and I think you brought up a good point. As a supervisor, if you notice that your troop, you know, a guy in your troop or several people in your troop are always picking up overtime jobs 
and they're never home, right? It's like people used to say that to me, but it was almost like a badge of courage at that point. Like, hey, you're never here. What do you do for fun? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I'm here. I'm good. You know, whatever. And my mentality at the time was, well, let me get this over time while I'm young and agile and like can have I have the stamina for it. And then as I get later in my career, I'll I'll chill. Uh, later in my career didn't happen. I burnt the fuck out and then I, I, I never made it to that point. And I think as a, as a supervisor, if you start seeing that, be like, Hey man, like leave some for the rest of us. Like, you know, and, and approach it in a, in a caring way. A lot of times your sergeant is going to see you more than your family is. So, you know, sometimes you have to take that fatherly advice and be like, Hey, maybe take a weekend off and not pick up every overtime gig and things like that, you know? And, I think you made a good point because, you know, you saw it in your people and, and you saw the same behavior that you exhibited when you were younger. So it's so easy, you know, and I feel like it's so easy to just be like, oh, he'll figure it out. He'll get it. Well, maybe they don't. Maybe you're like me and you just keep picking up overtime until you burn out. And then like the last thing you want to do is anything to do with a squad car. You know what I mean? Yeah. Later, the, the last few years I was on, I mean, I looked at it like, oh, I have sick time. I'm going to be sick tomorrow. Mm-hmm. That's that's how I looked at it, because like it's my time. And I would tell I would tell my guys, you know, I mean, if they've been coming to work and whatever, we've just been rock and rolling. I'd be like, hey, man, I think you're going to think you're going to have a cold tomorrow. Why don't you take off? You know, you got you got any sick time? Take some time off. We've got it. You know, and just just to reassure them and try to plant those seeds in their mind to let them understand, like, hey, we've got it. Mm-hmm. You know, this place will be just fine without you. We're going to be fine. Um, hey, look, if anything happens, I'll call you. Yeah, you know, one yeah. of those one of those kind of situations. But, you know. I wanted to make sure that that they had plenty of time to to download and to, to debrief themselves, you know, just to just this isn't this is a job, man. I mean, it's it's being a cop is is realistically it's no different than being a grocery sacker at mm-hmm, the store, mm-hmm. you know, so it's it's a job. You show up, you show up for a paycheck. The only difference is, is that this this title, this it gives you authority over other people and you know you there's a certain nobility in this protector whatever you know consequently there's no or or not not really understood by a lot of people is that law enforcement are not required to protect you it's just kind of part of things (laughs) they're they're required to like hey we're gonna hey that guy did something bad okay we'll we'll try to find out who he is and we'll arrest him it's not a matter of like i will stand in front of the bullets for you that's it that's but that's that's the moniker that we carry is that no, we'll, we'll jump in front of the, whatever, you know, I'm all for the whole run towards gunfire to stop bad people from doing bad things, but there's nothing, there's nothing that says, Oh, I'm, I get to be your human shield because I'm a cop. I get to take all the punishment because I'm a cop. And, you know, I kind of think that, you know, that's, that's a misunderstood concept that just kind of comes along with it. It's, Law enforcement culture is just, it's, it's kind of spoiled. You know, I mean, I, I, this doesn't say, this isn't a jab at cops. This isn't saying anything bad about cops. I love guys that are still out there just hammering it and doing the job. But the cold, hard fact is we really eat our own, man. We eat our mm-hmm. own at mm-hmm. every single agency. You know, look at, look at the, look at the, the business that happened with, uh, I, I, I hate to even bring it up, but like the Laverne PD mm-hmm. thing, mm-hmm. you know, if people think that that shit doesn't happen all over the country, they're blind. Yeah. The only difference is, is that, is it this, that, that shit show got picked up in some 
in some internet traffic and it just it caught wildfire. Correct. You know, there's probably officers there that are now they're like, oh, God, I work at this place. This is all this place is known for. I'm just here trying to do my job. And now that's all this place is known for, you know, and it just and who was who was the people that was that was making all these memes and sharing all these memes? It's a bunch of cop pages and a bunch mm-hmm. of cops. Right. You know? yeah. and I mean, we it just it just it just got out of hand so bad. Sure. And, you know, that is like the tip of the iceberg. It, it goes so much further and there's so many other incidents. And like the last week's uh, big flavor of the week was the uh, Louisville, Kentucky. You know, they had a training accident or whatever. And it's just like, yeah. you know, uh, my buddy Dexter Pitts, he made a post and I know you commented on it. Like the last thing I want to do is be meme page famous. And. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's a level of, you know, humor with that, of course. And I being of comedic mind, right? I I like taking the objectiveness of a situation and making a joke of it. That's just how I've always been, you know, being a guy growing up listening to guys like George Carlin and Chris Rock and and Jerry Seinfeld. Like that's just me. I'm always going to just make a comment on something. But it's the it's the nitpicking, the bullying, the kind of doubling down on stuff. That's where I'm like, all right, we've gone too far. And I literally made a meme yesterday, and I'm going to post it probably by the time this airs. It's already going to be posted. But I said it's got Spider-Man. He's given a, he's given a speech. The biggest threat to law enforcement is law enforcement itself. And it's, oh, yeah. it's, it's all of that. You can, you know, and you can range it from whatever you want to do, but you have people in law enforcement agencies struggling period, whatever it might be, whether it be mentally, physically, emotionally, whatever. And we don't reach out and help. And, um, or we talk shit and so many, so many cops out here and, and dispatchers and firefighters, you know, wherever talk shit about their coworkers. And, and then you like, you get this idea of this person, right? There's a person that you've never worked with. You hear all these people just talking shit. Then you work with this person and you're expecting this person to be a piece of shit. Cause that's all you've heard. And it's like, Oh, they're actually, they're decent. Like they, you know, there, there's nothing wrong with them. They work fine. Like obviously there's probably a personal beef somewhere in the middle of all this, but it's now ballooned. And if I, you know, if I never met this person, I'm always going to think this person's a piece of shit. I have no, it goes back to just reading the headlines, right. And not reading the full article. Um, and we really need to stop like in in a in a world where the number one killer of cops is suicide we need to look at what our actions are doing what our statements are saying and how that's affecting like i really hope that those people in tennessee are okay you know like i made fun of the incident not the people and again i think my meme was basically saying this happens everywhere you know this is not unheard of mm-hmm. um I, I hope they're okay, you know, and, and unfortunately with all the drama attached to this, maybe they'll never be cops again. And it's really unfortunate because in the grand scheme of things, they didn't really do anything all that wrong. Yeah. They shouldn't have done it on duty, but like that's, it's whatever, you know what I mean? Like, I, unfortunately I feel like that could be looked over, you know, be like, Oh yeah, that was bad, but you know, whatever. And that's that's it. You know, we eat. Our- yeah, you just say you filthy, you filthy bunch of perverts. That's all you gotta say. You filthy bunch of perverts. <laughs> and I mean, and then you go, you go about your business. Right. I mean, they- I think anywhere else yeah. that would have been a slap on the wrist. That would have been a little bit of a suspension. Moved on. Somehow it got on a news cycle. It must have been a slow news week because we're talking about cops. They brought that up, and then obviously, like we said, it got internet traffic. But 
I know drama at agencies I've worked for or agencies in the counties I've worked in that was either the same or would supersede that by like tenfold. Never got heard about it, right? Never made the news cycle, which is fine. But yes, it all happens somewhere. The The important thing is to like think before we act. And I don't know. It, it's It's tough because as someone who, you know, we were kind of talking earlier, like, you know, makes edgy humor at times. Um, I know that I have to watch things that I say and not every, every thought that comes to my mind. Cause of course I've in my mind, I've made tasteless jokes and everything, but you know, you kind of have to look and be like, all right, is that the right thing to post? You know, is that the right thing to make public for the world? Um, I saw something, where did I see this? Oh, I saw it on a, a class I'm taking and they were saying, you know, if you're going to post it on, um, social media, would it be appropriate for a kindergarten class to look at it? That's where you kind of have to look at things, you know? And if you would be in front of your children's kindergarten class and this thing were to come up on the, on the whiteboard, would that be okay? Um, and I think that's kind of a great, you know, compass, a great true North when you're, when you're making things on, on social media and just realize that, you know, when you're bullying, because that's what it comes down to when you're bullying people, there's a, there's someone attached to it, you know, and and a lot of the yeah, uh, there really is, and and that's and and whether it be on the internet or you're just talking shit in your department or in your precinct, you know, there there's a person there, you know, and and they have issues going on. And um, my interview this past week, we talked about like if someone, if one of your coworkers gets arrested for DUI, the initial response is going to be, oh, that guy's a drunk, that guy's careless, that guy's whatever. You don't know what went up to that. You don't know why he was drinking and driving. There's always a why. We all know that. We're cops. We always investigate the full story. There's always a why. But I feel like we don't give each other and ourselves that benefit of the doubt. Yeah, man. There's there's not a lot of grace in law enforcement. I know I saw it in my my old agency is, you know, you got somebody that, somebody that does something that is, I don't know, we'll just say makes a dumb dumb move or just a bad move. And it's like, oh, that guy's a, that guy's a fucking idiot. You know, that's, mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm, the thing mm-hmm. is that, you know, and then, then they develop this moniker. Then this person starts talking about, about this, you know, I, I know for hands down, I mean, I am not innocent in, <laughs> in that area of, of not partaking into, Oh God, look at this, look at this body cam video. Look at this, look at this idiot. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm absolutely guilty of it. And I mean, and I'm perfectly okay with being able to look at that and say like, yeah, man, that wasn't really acceptable. And I mean, you know, you look at it even from a perspective of, of uh, being a just a, a an entry level patrolman to uh, a supervisor. I mean, I was a sergeant. I could still look at this stuff, and I would. How much weight does your does your word carry as a supervisor? True. You know, if, yeah. If, if here I am talking to this this two year two year deputy or two year officer, and here I am a fourteen year sergeant, and I'm just like, oh yeah, that that guy's an idiot. What do you think that guy's gonna think? Oh, yeah. think, oh well, he's an idiot. The sergeant, the sergeant knows what he's talking about. And it's the same thing with, you know, your social media pages. I think that, you know, a, you put stuff out there for the public to consume, whether you have a hundred followers or a million followers, you know, somebody's going to see it and may develop their own opinion. If you have a large following, you kind of have a responsibility mm-hmm. to, to what you say, you know, I mean, it's like, put it, cops were up in arms whenever LeBron James spouted off his mouth about some bullshit. He had no idea what to talk about because they're like, LeBron, you've got millions and millions of followers. You have a responsibility. Okay. 
you know, hey, whatever meme page, you have 40,000 followers. Those people see what you say. You know, they they're the ones that are. And not only that, this person will pick up your meme and share it with a click of a button. Yeah. They can, they're going to share it to their stuff and they're going to share it to this. So, yeah, it perpetuates bullying. And I mean, and and I don't know, man, I, I think about it in terms of bullying and I'm just like, huh. I've always hated bullies. Mm-hmm. Always right. hated We're literally, we are the fighters of so. bullies, right? Like that's like being a cop. <laughs> yeah, for real. So it, it, it does. So and here, no. no, no. I mean, you know, it comes to this moral dilemma where it's like, all right, we need to, we need to look at this. And when I get in this conversation with people, I literally go, I look at my meme page and go, Hmm, I need to do better, especially because I've, <laughs> I've kind of attached my sale to this whole mental health thing, which is something that I truly believe in. That's where I'm like, all right, I need to, you know, I really need to be careful what I'm saying. So that way the, you know, if, so, again, if I were to make a, a meme about those people in Tennessee, about those people directly, and something bad were to happen to them, you know, if if they, they were bullied too far, you know, what does that say about me? You know, like, could that have been, yeah. you know, and, um, the one last thing I'll say, and then we'll kind of we'll move on from it, is there was a so the the thing in Tennessee happened, and then like immediately after it in New Jersey, there was a teenager, like a fourteen year old girl, killed herself from bullying, and all the same meme pages, a lot of them would post and go, "Oh, it's so terrible! The the bully needs to be charged, the mom needs to be charged." Blah blah, and I'm like, "You y'all were just doing the same thing to a grown person, like it doesn't it doesn't matter, like you know, so." It, imagine you know and then my mind goes well imagine if the shoe was on the other foot like would you obviously wouldn't take any responsibility if if someone didn't happen to one of those people so i agree i think it's important and imperative for us in a way to like fix law enforcement culture there's a lot of stuff that needs to be changed we need to like think before we post and i'm all for kind of poking fun at the job and being like hey you know the job's got its issues and you know troopers are big hat wearing dummies and you know, stupid stuff like that. Right. But as far as like yep. personal attacks or direct attacks, we really need to be smarter about it. And, you know, again, every time I have this conversation, I'm like, all right, I gotta, gotta do a little bit better. Um, <laughs> I think just generalize just a broad spectrum and, of, of making fun of people, not specific. Exactly. Exactly. If you're going to bully targeted. people, do, do the general <laughs> majority. So that way not, so that way you insult many yeah. people, not just one. Just detectives. Just the the fat detectives eating all the donuts, leaving nothing for night. Exactly, exactly. Perfect, <laughs> perfect. Um, Nick, this has been a great conversation. I think we talked about a lot of different things. We really got some ideas out there, and I know just from the guys that and 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 chicks that reach out to me and they talk about, you know, oh, this was a really good topic. I know they're going to eat this up, so I'm, I'm very excited for that. Um, I got a couple questions for you that we're going to wrap it up. This is what I do at the end of every episode, just to kind of get you thinking a little bit and see um, how you feel on these things. So I call it the mental minute, but I don't do it. It takes longer than 60 seconds. Um, Here we go. What is the best book you've read recently? The best book I've read recently is probably the last book I read. And that's extreme ownership by Jocko Willing. That's a good one. I've got it right. Not a big reader, but I, I but I listen, I listen to audio books. Books are like sedatives. They put me to sleep. I do know how to read contrary to popular belief. I do know how to read well. But uh, I listen to a lot of audiobooks like whenever we're doing my clip work and um, extreme ownership was the game changing book of my life. I'll just say that it, it really shaped uh, my whole thought process um, after I read it. So biggest, biggest game changer right there. 
Nice. Um, you are not the first person to, not the first person to say that. Um, I have it on my bookshelf, just haven't gotten to it yet. And also audible has changed my life. Um, what is something you do to ground yourself? Oh boy. Um, man, I, I don't really know. I don't really know what I do to ground myself. Maybe just, uh, I exercise every day and that, that kind of helps me keep a focus and a sanity of, of, uh, physical exertion. Um, I've never really been too too high up in the clouds to where I feel like, hey, man, I really need to kind of keep myself level. I, I just try to keep a, a normal mindset of I'm not really better than anyone. So I guess if I had to answer that question, that's kind of how I look at it is, is try to care about the people that I have to, to interact with at any kind of any given time and to just understand I'm really not better than them. So okay. that's about the best I got on that one. That works for me. Uh, what do you do for self-care? Oh man, exercise daily, cold showers, um, maintain a, a good diet, um, therapy. Um, in my older age, I, I just turned 43. I just had a birthday and uh, I birthday. have a, a three-year-old son. So I'm an old, uh, I'm an old, thank you. I'm an older dad. And um, that has really uh, helped me reflect a lot on the importance of moments and the smaller things, you know, you, you overlook a lot of things when you're young because time just goes by you, not fast enough for you. You want to get to a certain level. Now, of course, halfway through my life time, I want time to stretch longer. So, you know, uh, focusing on the, the moments, Andy Bernard said it best, you know, how, how do we know where, where we're in the good old days? Is there a way to recognize we're in the good old days when we're actually in mm -hmm. them? You know, and that's that's what I try to do is, is recognize those moments and to try to hold on to them. That just physical exercise, try to try to stay as young as I can mm -hmm. as far as my uh, my self-care routines. Don't meditate. Don't do any of that, that stuff. But, you know, not against it. Nice. Would you open up an envelope with your death date written inside? Ooh, probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I kind of want to know. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Yeah, I've, so I I, skydiving, do I need to smoke crack? Right, right. And so here's where I'm <laughs> thinking, right? Cause this came up, I asked this every week, but then also I, it came up at my gym with, um, you know, would you know when you were going to die or whatever? My thought is, I know I'm going to die that day. It's not before that. It's that day. So I'm going to take all the risks in the world because I'm not going to die. I'm going to die on that day. So, you know what I mean? Like I'm going to, well, I think you, I think if you look at the, if you look at every day like that, I mean, think of all the things that you could get accomplished. Mm -hmm. if, if you're like, Oh man, I'm, I'm going to die in one month. Like I got to get everything done. It's like, okay, well you might die in a month. Right. Why aren't you doing those sure. things now? You know, I think that, I think that putting a spin on your life in perspective that way can really light a fire under your, your ass to, you know, to do the things that you've always wanted to do. Don't hold back, you know, experience your life because you only got one of them. Truth. Yep. You, I mean, tomorrow's not promise. I mean, we could, we could end this recording, go back to our normal lives and something terrible could happen. Hopefully not, but it could. How many, how many times have you seen it as a cop? Yeah. Yeah. You know, people, people got up one day thinking that they're going to get up and go to work and they drop dead in their living room. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, yeah. and they stayed there while the dogs chewed their fingers off. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. There was one time, you know, I remember this one. I mean, this was not very grotesque. It wasn't anything bad, but we, you know, go to a dead body when I was in training. And I mean, a little old lady, 
but she was literally had the TV on. She had literally just microwaved food. Like the the food was still in the microwave. Everything, um, you know, and it just happens. You don't know, and it just happens. And uh, so yep. you're right. I think if everyone kind of operated in that mentality of hey, it could be tomorrow, um, there would be a lot less, a lot less procrastination and a lot more things getting done for sure. Probably a lot less people being mean to each other too. Yeah. Going back to our uh, not be a bully uh, <laughs> seminar we just had. Yeah. Um, you know, but okay, hold on. We're going to stick on this for one more second. So I I got into Buddhism uh, 15 years ago or whatever, not even less than that, when my mom passed away and started looking at everything in the moment, in the moment, in the moment. And, you know, when my mom passed away, obviously I was dealing with grief and, and sadness and things like that. And it was, I was having a hard time shaking it. And the thing that got me out of that mindset was thinking, if I died tomorrow, I don't want my last day to be a day where I was moping, where I was sad, where I was grumpy, you know, because it's not going to matter to me. I'm dead. But I don't want my loved ones, the people that I leave to be like, oh, the last day I had with him, he was just moping on the couch or, you know, in his bedroom, you know, sleeping or whatever. And ever since then, and there's days obviously where I have bad days with it. That's kind of my mentality is like, hey, it, it's not that bad, you know what I mean? And, and then just kind of rolling through it. Obviously, bad days happen, but yeah, absolutely, man. That sun's going to come up whether you like it or not. True. So I mean, same thing with people that are in that pit of despair where they want to take their own life, man. If they can just realize that that this is just this is how I feel right now, and that sun is going to come up the next morning. It's going to be a brand new day. I just got to get through this. You know, it's the same thing. Yeah. Same, same type of scenario. It's just, it's just an outlook. So. Yeah. Um, the next one I have for you, would you be friends with yourself? And I'm kind of an asshole. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I think I would be friends with myself. I, 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 yeah, I think so. Okay. I'm not, I'm not too bad of a guy. I mean, I used to be a big asshole, but I'm, I'm not so much. <laughs> You're <a> recovering <laughs> asshole. Yeah. Um, yeah. What do you want from other people? Uh, all their money, man. <laughs> no, uh, I think I think the only thing I want from other people is um, I think we all just kind of just want to be respected, man. I mean, and and I don't mean like respected, like you should respect me, but just hey, look, man, I'm I'm taking up the same same space on this earth that you are. Let's kind of work together mm-hmm. and and just respect it as a as a person, as a human being, really. Yep. Um, Matt, what sort of impact are you looking to make, and how will you make it? Selling Mike Luke. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think I think the impact that I, you know, obviously our product is important to us and our our, men, our, uh, our mission to help cops is important to us, you know. But from a personal standpoint, I mean, the, I'm a dad, and the biggest impact that I want to make is on my kids' life and to 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 give them good programming to be good people and to understand the world as best as they can, really. Mm-hmm. Teenagers, it's hard, man. I've got I've got three teenagers. It is hard to help them understand the world because they are, man, they're teenagers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The 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 stubborn the stubbornness that we grew up with has like only been amplified. Oh yeah, I'm definitely getting payback. <laughs> uh, how do you define the word friendship? Oh, man, friendship is, you know, obviously it's somebody that you can you can count on to tell you when you're wrong. That's that's the biggest aspect of a friend, I think the most important aspect of friendship is if you're fucking up, a friend is going to say, look, you're fucking up. Mm-hmm. 
period. You know, somebody who's not afraid to tell you when you're wrong. Okay. At, even at the expense of losing that friendship. I think that's important. How do you define the word happy and what makes you happy? And you've got some, some zingers <laughs> in that list. Um, I think, you know, how do I define the word happy? I'm giving all your listeners a lot of silence trying to reflect <laughs> on this question. What makes it, I mean, what makes me happy is, um, I think the ability to enrich those around mm-hmm. me, you know, uh, seeing my wife happy, seeing my kids happy. And that's more than just, you know, giving somebody what they want, but necessarily maybe being the person that they need or at that moment. Defining happiness is, I think, just having, I guess, just a self-awareness of your place, man. Just just understanding just where you fit into the world and um, finding, uh, I guess, satisfaction with that and just being humble. Mm-hmm. Humility is, is probably a huge part of being happy because if you're not if you're not humble then you're always going to be striving for something else that's just out of reach. Okay. And then the last one I got for you. What is the meaning of life? Right. <laughs> yeah. I think if I think if I knew that answer I wouldn't be talking to you right now. <laughs> right, right. I'd be making a lot of money selling a book. Man, I really think that the meaning of life is just um, you know interacting I, i've kind of gone on this this theme of with these questions is, is other people but it really is i mean it's relationships and and other people you know and making that impression in other people's lives to to make them better i think that's kind of been a, a big a big theme that we've been talking about this whole time is you know how how we touch other people's lives mm-hmm. and affect their lives you know i'm a firm believer in you know you do something kind for somebody, it perpetuates kindness, perpetuates kindness. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that being said, I think that, uh, you know, perpetuating that kindness could be the meaning of life. And I think... Or just, you know, the earth circling the sun and life <laughs> up into our veins. That's probably part of it, too. I've noticed that, obviously, the people I ask are in law enforcement or whatever. And I've noticed that we're all givers. Like, when I say, what's the meaning of life, everyone's got something to give it's never like oh accumulate wealth or this or this me 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 it's all giving so i think that speaks a lot about the personality types that obviously i've speak to on the show that's it that that's all the questions i got those are the toughest ones that i ask it for the hour or hour and a half or whatever maybe um nick this has been great i appreciate it if someone wants to get in contact with you or the mic loop or buy a mic loop how do they go about doing all that uh easiest way is through social media um instagram is our most active platform you can find us um, on instagram at the mic loop at t-h-e-m-i-c-l-o-o-p or you can find me at sergeant tuttle sgt underscore t-u-t-t-l-e also our website is themikeloop.com. You can contact us there through email and any other platform at the Mike Loop. That's it. Awesome. Everyone go check it out. If you don't own a Mike Loop, change it. Change that. It would change your life. Since we've been talking, I posted that we were talking. Got one person showing me their Mike Loop, their 108. They they got it. So, uh it's out there and they're like it's the best thing I've ever bought for my career. So, it is what we said it is. Right on. All right, Nick. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for the time. Absolutely. My pleasure. Everybody stay tuned. We will wrap this episode up in just a moment.
And a special thanks to Nick for this conversation. If you don't already, go check out the mic loop and get you one for your uniform. They literally save lives, so go check it out. Uh, So we're just about done with today's episode. I do want to tell you a little bit about my past weekend. I I told about last week, and if you were following me any, you saw that I tripped up to the Poconos for the weekend. I was on the Project Refit Retreat in the Pocono Mountains. Let me go ahead and kind of wrap on that real quick. So first off, big thanks to James and the organization. They put on an amazing weekend. They got my ass up there, which was great because, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been able to just fly up to Pennsylvania on the random and, you know, he helped me out. He picked me up, all that stuff. So basically Project Refit is an organization that does whatever they can to support vets and first responders through uh, mental health healing, whether it's uh, PTSD, a TBI, just going through it, even just talk services. They do um, weekly Zoom chats, Monday and Friday nights at 9 p.m., and they just talk. You know, they put out maybe a topic and they're going to talk about it, or they just kind of act as a support group and they just go around and talk. And that's basically what this was, but in person-to-person form. It was an amazing house out in the uh, in the Pocono Mountains, owned by a retired vet. Beautiful property, uh, fucking cold, but it was beautiful. You know, we we bought food, prepared food, ate together in like a family type style. There were two fire pits outside. We did fires every night, and the fires is where the real work really went on. Just kind of, you know, there was some bullshitting going on. There were some jokes, of course, bunch of military and, and first responders guys out there. So that's going to happen. But then it all got deep and we started talking about everyone's personal struggles, whatever it might be, personal health, um, mental health, their um, personal relationships with their families, even previous stuff. And there was a lot of unboxing that went on and a lot of support. Uh, on Saturday, we went... Um, UTV riding, which was a lot of fun, which is, was breaking me out of my comfort zone. You know, I'm not, I grew up in that area and I wasn't really the rough and tumble mudding kind of guy. And not only that, the, I mean, that, that part was fine, but I didn't, you know, I'm from Florida and it's been a long time since I've been up there in the winter, a long time since I've been up in there in the winter. And I, uh, didn't pack appropriately. Big shout out to my buddy Pork Roll, secret agent meme. He was there. He hooked it up. He got me some uh, some long johns or some uh, Under Armour stuff and, and kept me warm and cozy as we were getting all muddy and stuff. Uh, had some great food up there. Um, Pork Roll and I made Sunday gravy, or actually it was Saturday night gravy. Um, what else did we have? We stopped at this Irish place. If you want to see the food, I'm going to be uploading some stuff on 108 Eats over the next few weeks, show you what what we had. It was actually very good. But the driveaway point that I want to tell you is Project Refit is doing amazing things, an amazing purpose. They are nonprofit. So, you know, they they thrive on donors and support and things like that. So if you have a chance, please go check out Project Refit at projectrefit.us, projectrefit.us. Um, and if you feel so inclined, think about donating to their amazing cause. You could do it one time. You could do monthly. Um, the more support, the better. And they are, they're really doing amazing work. Go check out one of their zoom calls again, Friday and Monday nights at 9 PM. Just log on. You can do it right from the website and, um, 
it, it'll be great. I logged into my first one this past Friday. Correction. I logged into my first one this past Monday and you know, it was great. I had to, I had to leave cause I had some, uh, personal business to attend to, which I'll talk about that in just a second, but it was great. Very, very good organization. They need your support. You're going to be hearing more about them in the near future. Um, and James and I, James Corbett, he was on the episode, or he was on the show last year. Uh, we're going to be working a lot together in the very near future. So definitely look forward to that. Quick personal aside. Um, if you've been following the page for any amount of time, I know you've probably seen me post about my dogs. They live on the other coast. They live with my family. They're not, they are mine. They're like, they're family dogs, but they bonded with me, especially uh, my boy Chance, Yellow Lab. I mean, we got him in 2014. Like literally he came in the door and I walked out the door to get my gallbladder taken out. Didn't know that was what was going to happen. And after that, we just bonded. You know, he slept in my bed because he was a puppy and I lived on the first floor, so it was easy to get him outside, and we just bonded. I mean, we, <laughs> I, I remember this story, uh, I was taking care of my dad, so my dad, if you guys have listened, uh, was paralyzed, he was a stroke victim, so I would take care of him, I would, you know, make his food, grind it up for him, feed him. Well, there were mornings where I was taking care of my dad, and then I had to take care of Chance, because he was a puppy, and... <laughs> Chance got jealous because I wasn't giving him enough attention and he goes to squat like he's going to poop right by the front door. And I like, I run up and I'm like, no. And I grab him by his collar and I toss him out the door. He looks at me, he's like, gotcha, bitch. And just takes off running. I was like, oh, you bitch. And I ended up chasing him around the house like two or three times and then I got him and whatever. But that was the start of our relationship. And he was just my buddy for so long. Uh, would, Would sleep in my bed nightly. And if I didn't, it was a problem. Like he, it was no issue whatsoever. Even throughout being a cop, he would, uh, he adjusted to my schedule. He would come in on, uh, on midnights. Um, even one of the first times my girlfriend came over, he would not allow her to sleep next to me. He would, he had to be touching me. And then as I moved out into my apartment, he, uh, you know, he couldn't come with me. But it was always a big deal. Like if you said that I was like my family had this thing where they would say, oh, Charlie's here and he would lose his mind. He and, and my other dog, Lola, you know, then I moved down here. He didn't come with me and I would go see him on holidays and whenever I would go over there. Um, anyway, long story short, uh, this past week on uh, Wednesday, we had no, I'm sorry, on Tuesday. What day is it? On Monday night. Wow. Sorry, my days are all off. On Monday night, uh, we had to put Chance down. He passed away. Uh, He had cancer, kind of unexpectedly. So, um, all that being said, if you got if you got a furry friend, give him a big hug for me this week because I'm missing my buddy. Um, So that's it. That's that's this show this week. That's everything that's going on next week. uh, There's no real transition to that. I, I just had to share it with you guys. But coming up next week, I am joined by Jamil Syed. He's a former California copper who is now the leader of multiple businesses worth in the seven digits mark. He's just freaking killing it. And we're going to talk all about the steps of becoming an entrepreneur and building your empire. Can't wait. You guys are going to get a freaking so much stuff out of this. It's a good episode. Uh, until then, though, help me build my empire by buying some merch, subscribing to the podcast, sharing it with your friends. Listen, I don't know what's going on. 
but my analytics are off. It's not that people aren't listening. I just refuse to believe that the analytics are off. So what I need you to do is to help me start pumping up the numbers, share this episode, share the show, just everything you can. If I post about the podcast, share it, tell people to listen to it. I'm doing it, but I need your help guys. Share, share, share. And then of course, any, uh, any merch you want to buy or things like that, I would definitely greatly appreciate as well. All that being said, guys, we are going to end this episode. I know I said I have my partnership with Keep Flying, which we definitely do. Uh, go check them out. Their new song, Left Behind, was on last week's episode. They're a great bunch of guys. But this week, I'm going to end it with a song that popped up on my Instagram. Apparently, it's several years old, but it's the first time I'm finding it. So uh, I haven't been able to stop listening to it. It's this little kid, and he's singing Three Little Birds by Bob Marley. And it's, it's really, first off, it's really sweet, but also I know that we all have worries. We all have troubles. We all have things that bother us and things we can't fix, uh, bills, uh, death, injury, despair. And it's so easy for us to get overwhelmed by it. But here's this song by this song by this little kid, four years old at the time, I believe. And hopefully it gives you some hope. If not, it'll warm your heart, at least for a little bit. And uh, go check out the video on uh, on Instagram or YouTube or whatever. It's just it's very sweet. So here you go. Take care of each other. Stay safe, and uh, we'll see you next time. Ten eight out. Don't worry about a thing, cause every little thing is gonna be alright. Don't worry about a thing. I woke up this morning on my horizon. Three little birds were on my doorstep, singing sweet songs, melody pure and true. And they said this message is you.
Dust 